0: Okay, so we're back with the Juby Take. I'm Steve. I'm Adam. And folks, it's just us tonight.
1: Yes. Well, what? nothing against any of our no. guests. Yeah,
0: okay. Maybe that didn't come off quite right. right but no. It, it, it's okay. We, we wish they were all here tonight.
1: Exactly. I think that I was maybe insinuating what the listeners are feeling when we
0: said that. Right. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so it's that time of year. A uh, couple things worth mentioning. One... Uh, it's March Madness. Yes, March is here. Last year, at this time, we did a March Madness podcast. We did. We so had... this is the first podcast that we're doing that this is the second year we're doing it. Yeah, the the annual March Madness podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's kind well, it's, of a milestone. Yeah,
1: it's exciting. And uh, I mean, last, last year we had a specific guest, Ryan Skuse couldn't make it today. Yeah. Shout out to Skuse, But yeah, just us talking about it, which is... It's exciting. It's an exciting time of year. There's a lot going on, a lot of great basketball, I think, which is something that everyone here knows I love and I'm big big passion uh, for basketball, but you know.
0: Well, and the and the great thing about March Madness is just the intensity yeah. of it. Yeah. And there's so many different stories. Right. You the know Cinderella, you, you know, teams to Right. Right. You you know, you have uh this year it's uh Loyola, Chicago. Right. And uh, to be
1: honest, I mean, there was some other ones as well that were huge.
0: Right. Well, and this year was the first year ever of a 16 beating a one. Yeah. That's insane. Not only a one, but it was the number one of the ones. Right. Virginia. Virginia.
1: Man, they, that was, that
0: was crazy. UMBC. Yeah. I had no idea what that was. I had to look that up. (laughs) It's the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's, that one is, uh, I don't know that there's anybody that knew, you know, unless you're from right, unless Baltimore you're from County, area, you know, uh, exactly where it was, you know, with that, you know,
1: that they even had a team. No, that was really, really exciting. That blew up, um, you know, on social media and everyone's freaking out about it again. The first thing, there's not very many things these days that have happened, never happened before.
0: No, that's and it's harder and harder as as we go along right to find something new and the interesting thing about that is it wasn't a last second shot that you know bounced off the backboard and went in no they they beat them by 22 they
1: handled them it wasn't even close so it it just kind of makes you wonder did did virginia not show up or were they
0: overrated i think it's a combination of both yeah i think if they were as good as as everybody thought they were uh, no matter what, you can have a bad game. Right. And still, you know, pull off the win. That's traditionally what we see with 16 is ones. Exactly. You know, you you slow, you overlook that first team. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, University of Maryland, <laughs> Baltimore County, I mean, how could you not overlook that team?
1: Yeah, I know, right? It's uh, so threatening.
0: Because I, I, they got in because they won their tournament, but they didn't even have that great a record in their conference.
1: That's, that's did, crazy. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't an elite. It wasn't like team, they, you know, it's, it's not like we've seen in the past where there's some, you know, mid major, you know, smaller schools to get in, they go on undefeated or, but are just really good teams. Right. Uh, for their in the past
1: years, maybe Gonzaga was, was put into, in that category. They didn't play too many big teams throughout the year. And so it was kind of a question of whether they should get in the tournament. And obviously, you know, they've, I think, been in the tournament the last 10 years or something. Right,
0: and they're getting a lot more respect now. Yeah, exactly. They they were
1: in the national championship game last year.
0: And at that point, you kind
1: of cement yourself if you're able to make it to that point.
0: But I think you go back to, like, the Davidsons, you know, with Steph Curry. Yeah. And, you know, Lehigh. Yeah, with with CJ. CJ. Exactly. And, you know, some of those teams that are mid-majors, but they have NBA talent on there. I don't know that... (laughs) UMBC has any NBA talent on their team
1: or Loyola Chicago to be to be honest.
0: Yeah. They might not
1: have, you know, an NBA player, but they're playing great and have made their way into the final
0: four. Yeah.
1: As an 11 seed.
0: Right. So that's really exciting, double digit seed in the final four.
1: Oh, that's a, that's I think that's what everyone wants to see that, you know. Yeah. I mean, a, a few few years ago it was four number one seeds which Makes for great basketball. It really it, does. Uh, it can. Oh, okay. It can. Okay. It can.
0: No, I agree. I agree. But yeah. I would have to say that probably seventy-five percent of the people that watch the tournament are watching so many teams that they don't know anything about, and they will root for the you know lower seat, the underdog, because you just want that. He, you know, you want the twelve to beat the five. Right. You know, unless you've got a dog in the fight. You know, unless you're that's your team you know you're a virginia fan you know you want umbc to win that game right
1: no absolutely i think we all root for um the underdog and and, i guess like you said (laughs) unless it's our team and
0: (laughs) yeah but i think you know you you look at uh at even last year you know and i think oregon making it to the final four was kind of an underdog you know they were they were a higher seed and and they'd been a number one seed the year before. Were we a three seed? Yeah, something like that. But but still, no one expects... No. You know, they kind of expect the teams that always make it. You know, the Duke and Villanova, North Carolina. When
1: a team like Oregon goes and gets a number three seed, it's it's exciting. And obviously, they have a great path. But you're right. I mean, you don't expect them to be able to win those games. It's, it's the history of the program that really kind of brings that confidence that they're yeah. going to be able to pull it off
0: having been there. And that one is one of the big things with Oregon is that core group of people, yeah. you know, had been to the tournament for three years and you know, they had been a number one seed right, and they had been successful and you just build on that. And that's, what's hard. I think for some of these lower seeds, uh, I don't know how many more players UMBC is going to get that right. they wouldn't have gotten. Right. You know, it's, it's just, it's always exciting to see the underdog. And and step up and play well and and basketball is more of a level playing field than than you think. Yeah, you know it's not just the elite players.
1: Yeah, I think that's what you were saying earlier that you know it's a team game and and when you're able to utilize that aspect of it and really make that a priority to to play as a team defensively and right. offensively.
0: Now there are some teams that are just overmatched. Right you know, athletically. And I get that. But if you play your, you know, within yourself and you play, like you say, as a team. And the other piece with that is also the fact that you're not, the stage isn't too big, right? You know, you, you go out and you play, it's a basketball game, you know, it's yes, it's the tournament. And yes, maybe you're playing on the second weekend, you know, in the sweet 16 and the elite eight, but you don't let the stage be bigger than, than the game. You know, it's, it's still, the courts the same, the baskets, the same, everything. And that's, what's fun is watching players that don't necessarily read the press of this team is supposed to be so much better than you are. They go out and play the game.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I think what any athlete strives for, you know, they, they're at least told <laughs> to do, you know, going into any game, you know, it's just another game. Uh, just go out there and play your game. But It's much easier said than done, for sure, especially when you're on a stage nationally and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I think that that's something that sets the possibly those professional athletes, you know, the the people that will possibly get into the NBA and that are able to push through and and make those plays in in the clutch times.
0: Well, and I think that also is is what makes the Cinderella stories. You know, the guys, you know, like, again, we're talking about Loyola and their players just they're playing their game. Right, and it's not a matter of this. What the stage is, it's just you know, make your shots.
1: You go out there, play hard, and see yeah, what happens. Which is fun. It's a lot of fun.
0: Now this year, the Pac-12 got no love. No, from, no, from anybody. We, I mean, they, so
1: bad that our number two team in the Pac-12 did not even make the tournament.
0: No, they didn't. And I, that's you know yeah, more on that later. There's definitely. there's another story there. I think that we'll touch on in a few minutes. Yeah, there were there were three teams that made the tournament, and right. two of them made play-in games. So right. you know they had to play an extra game, an extra game to get into the field of to sixty-four. Just
1: even, yeah, exactly, just to be in the tournament.
0: Right, and both of them uh, lost. Yeah, uh, UCLA and Arizona and State. Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State sure took a nosedive at the end of the year. Yeah, they did. That was they were at such a high at the beginning of the year that oh, they well, you know. Kansas is going to the final four and they beat Kansas. That's true. They beat Xavier and Xavier was the number one seed. Right. They had some great wins at the start of the year.
1: So you got to give them credit for that, obviously, but
0: well, yeah. And again, that's all part of the selection process is, you know, they have a criteria of, you know, you can't do what you used to do, which is don't play anybody. Right. It still kind of plagues college football is the fact that, you know, strength of schedule is taken into consideration.
1: Yeah, it's a factor
0: when the selection process goes through, and Arizona State had had played a uh, a difficult schedule, and they'd won some big games early, but then, you know, I what they lose eight of their last ten games. Oh
1: man, something like that. It's interesting because you would think that any team, or you would want the teams to be getting better throughout the season and to be growing, and that's something that you consistently see with our team in Oregon. You know, every single year it seems like they just overachieve and it's because they're growing throughout the season and, and they do things near the end of the season that maybe no one thought they were going to or especially because of maybe what they saw in the, in the beginning of the season where, you know, in this case, it's interesting with Arizona State or, you know, when you watch a team do so well at the beginning of the season, what happened and how did that decline, you know, just right. kind of start snowballing and – uh and obviously get them to where yeah, it, they were.
0: It's hard to say. I mean, yes, I think there's a blend of both. You want your team playing the best at the end of the year because they have the conference tournament, and if you win that, you're in. And if you have a good enough year, you're in the NCAA tournament. Right. So you want to be playing well at the end of the year, and that's that's what Arizona State wasn't. Right. Uh, but the other piece is you have to play well at the start of the year, and that's what Oregon didn't do. Yeah, I mean, exactly. we lost at home to Boise State. Yeah. Um, you that know, it was ugly. Yeah, we didn't play well at the beginning of the year and we had some bad losses. Hmm. Now we lost almost everybody off the team and we talked about that at the start of the year. Again, it was it was a a down year, I guess you would have to say. For Oregon, I don't necessarily like to use that term when it comes to college. You could say
1: rebuilding whenever a running team has a down year, people say they're rebuilding. You know, I don't know if that's – with college, it's hard to say that.
0: I well, mean... I, no, I think you're right. I, I think a down year would be, to me, if they had a lot of returning players and they didn't play well. Yeah. So that's kind of a down year. But, yeah, we had uh, we had four new freshmen that came in that played quite a bit. We only had one returning player that right. played at all last year in Peyton Pritchard. And it was a it was an up-and-down year. There were some things about it. We had a couple graduate transfers that uh, that came to play. Um, To be honest with you, at the end of the year, when we finally lost, we went to the NIT. Yep. Uh, We won a game in the NIT. We did. And then we lost to Marquette. And I was kind of done watching that team.
1: I agree, 100%. Um, There's a certain couple players on there that I just don't feel were a good fit. No. And and I'm I'm, I'm glad we're moving on. Yeah. We're excited for next year. Oh, yeah. 100%. But, But so... So the rest of the Pac twelve in the tournament, UCLA Right, UCLA loses, loses, loses in their play in
0: game. Yeah. And then the one the one team that, you know, thought everybody kind of was like, oh, there it's a the final four team. Oh yeah. You a know, lot they, of people had Arizona winning the whole thing. Right. They're a number three seed. And they lost to Buffalo by twenty. Yeah.
1: Which is insane. I mean, no no offense to, to Buffalo at all. I'm sure they're a great team, but there's a, a lot of you know, I mean, we talked about it, obviously, just a second ago, it, you know, having a lot of NBA talent on a team can help, but it's not everything. No, obviously, um, because I think that there's three players on that Arizona team that are going to go into the NBA and uh, make a contribution, but they weren't able to to do anything. They weren't able to pull it off.
0: Well, it's shocking. It, you know, the interesting thing about Arizona is they were a blend of experience and young Talented. Talented. Yeah. You know, Aiden is probably going to be the number one pick. If not, he's going to be in the top three. No, I made
1: a comparison today that I, I really hadn't thought about too much, and I kind of want to know your perspective
0: on it. Oh, good. I'm thirsty since we started. <sighs> Go on.
1: But um, DeAndre Aiden's body type being seven one, seven two, seven three. Um, and is he still growing? I don't know. It's seven foot something. Okay. Huge. He's big. Uh, but he's so athletic. Uh, you know, his ability to, to handle the ball is something I think is maybe not as much of a comparison, but more body type and dominance down low to Greg Oden. That's kind of someone that I, I felt was similar in, in the dominance that he showed in college. I can see that. Um, hopefully, I, it's. I think Odin's a little bigger, yeah. He had a little bit more girth to him, yeah. I think Odin was up, and that's where in. Aiden kind of has more of an advantage to, with the quickness and off the dribble, you know, and and maybe even shooting threes, you know, doing those kind of things. Um, being a little bit slimmer and smaller, yeah. But uh, but that was a, a comparison, and then I think that that's something that Aiton. As, as great as a lot of the players that are going to be in this draft are, I think it's going to be a, a strong draft. I honestly think that Ayton's going to be the best player in that draft.
0: He might very well be. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting. Uh, everybody was pretty sure that the aforementioned Greg Oden was going to be the number one player oh, yeah. and the best player in the draft. and Which and he might have been if he would he have. Just, well, but it just didn't work out. So, right. you know, you don't know exactly going into that kind of stuff, who is going to separate themselves in the NBA and, and become a better player. But again, these are the one and done's, right? You know, these are, these are the guys that, you know, that come in and no matter what, you know, they're going to be a lottery pick.
1: And it's just, you have such a small sample size of what you're watching. And we've talked about this at length, but you know, that's the thing that kind of makes it the unknown. No, I mean, we watched one year of Donovan Mitchell at Louisville, you know, no one thought that he was going to come into the NBA and be one of the best players in the draft. Um, obviously he, you know, has a great upside, but he is dominant in, in the NBA this year, you know, being a rookie. And I think that that's a testament to that. It's just like when you have a small sample size, you just don't know.
0: Right. And and again, that's, that's the big thing. That's why I'm hoping the NBA will change their tactics and, and not allow one and dones. And that's, that's another conversation. Oh yeah. We can have a whole podcast on that one. But you know, part of what I see is when, when you're in Arizona and you have one of the best players in college basketball, and you have experience, and you have tradition, you don't lose to Buffalo by 20 if there isn't something really wrong with the program. Right. Now, what we alluded to earlier about USC, uh, one of the things that happened this year with college basketball is that the FBI got involved Which is huge. And they're looking into, and there's some question as to whether they should be or not, but that's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. For for the sake of this conversation, it doesn't matter whether they should be or not. It's happening. (laughs) What they started looking into is the relationship between coaches and agents and shoe companies and street agents and all of the things that are going on behind the scenes in basketball. Oh, yeah. And what's happening is, that they're seeing that some of these assistant coaches, some of the people involved in the programs are kind of funneling money and players to certain agents and funded by shoe companies because there's there's so much money involved. Oh yeah. You know, they, the NBA kind of thought that well you might eliminate some of that by you know putting its a salary structure involved with rookies. So the rookies are no longer the highest paid players, you know, in the NBA. Right you know which is just wrong in a lot of ways. It is, and but that's what all pro sports were. Yeah. So now they have structure in the salary so you're, you know, you're the number 1 pick and you have a guaranteed contract and you get this much money and it kind of slots everybody in. So you have to play your rookie contract to really get the gigantic huge humongous 150-200 million dollar contracts. Right. But still there's so much money involved with shoe contracts and that's kind of where the, you know, the agents come in is, is that if this player and let's say, you know, Aiton, you know, signs with a particular agent, well, then he's probably going to sign a huge contract being the number one or number two pick right? with a shoe company. Exactly. And whether it's Adidas or Nike or. And that agent gets a cut. Right. From you From know, that. Right. So the big money for the, the top picks is the shoe contract rather than what the team is paying him. The initial, you know, team contract. Yeah. So there's so much money involved. Yeah, millions. And so Louisville. with the FBI investigating this, and they actually indicted a an assistant coach at Arizona and one at USC and one at Louisville. Yeah. This is and, the first time that anyone's been indicted, right? Yeah. From the yeah. Normally there's sanctions from the NCAA. Right. Yeah, which you does, know, they move so slowly. It's, it's, <laughs> it does so much for well, the pr- everybody problem. Everybody has said that this stuff's been going on for forever anyway. Right. Now they actually have wiretaps, so they actually have people on tape. So they've indicted these guys, and I really think that's why USC was was not put in the tournament because they were the number two team in the Pac-12. Their RPI was in the 30s.
1: Right. Uh, the schedule was great. Yeah. Yeah,
0: they had some big wins, and they just you know they told them no. You know you're not coming.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you have – it's such a message sent, you know, when you have the the number two team, like you said, but you have Arizona State
0: and you have UCLA. UCLA. And then you look at, at some of the other teams. They let Oklahoma in, Oklahoma. Syracuse. Syracuse, but yeah. But if, yeah, no, now you realize
1: the Syracuse actually got in. They made it to the Elite Eight. So that was – pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So they won some games. Right. But that was another team that you just look at the way that they were playing and you you didn't think they should be there. Right,
1: and maybe other obviously
0: other people saw something different. But Oklahoma again, you know, Oklahoma had a had the same type of record as as Arizona state. And there's no way that team should have made it. It was
1: totally a publicity thing. It was totally, they needed to have Trey young in that tournament because he was the headliner for college basketball for
0: the whole year. But you lose some credibility when you start doing that.
1: Totally. Absolutely.
0: So, uh, you know, but you have these indictments and you, you have these different programs and Louisville, they blew up Louisville. I mean, they, they fired their head coach Yeah, huge, Rick Pitino, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, Rick Pitino's gone, and the the uh, athletic director and the president of the university. It's like, oh, hey, there's the door, right? Okay, because of the information that they had. Well, it it'll be interesting to see if Sean Miller survives, because you yeah. know, supposedly he's At Arizona. They, yeah, they have him on tape, which he's talk. still denying, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's how that. Yeah, you're
1: right. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see how that works out,
0: how it plays out. But he's he's on tape as you know, discussing at least uh, coming up with $100,000 to give Aiden to to lock him up.
1: Now, I mean, there's obviously some different, I think there's different stories out there about what's going on. I've, I've heard that it wasn't about Aiden and that it was about another player. Now it should be for Aiden because he's by far their best prospect and he's going to be for the next couple of years, I think. But apparently he was already, you know, committed right before that conversation was recorded. Right. So, so yeah, that's, he said, she said that kind of stuff, but, but that's going on the other issue.
0: Well, and what, you know, some of the uh, fallout from that also was the, the university of Arizona's recruiting class for next year. They had two high profile players that walked away. Now, the interesting thing about college basketball, as opposed to college football, college football, you sign a letter of intent. And the same thing with college basketball, you sign you can sign a letter of intent, yeah. which is binding. But the top players don't do that. No. They sign a financial agreement, which is one way. The financial agreement states that the university now has has held a place for them and their financial scholarship is held is there is for them s- if they still want it. Right. But it does not hold the player to that school. To that school. I and mean, exactly. to that commitment. Right you know, they can back away
1: from it. It's caused a lot of problems over the last few years, but I mean, it, it, I, I I get it too, because if I was a student and say something like what happened to Arizona, you know, maybe there should be some clauses in there that if certain things happen and certain sanctions happen that, you know, you can be able to, to back out, but
0: well, there is, okay. There is with, even with a letter of intent. Okay. If there's a coaching change, if, if there's an event that it allows players to back off. Okay.
1: Well, then that should be the the only thing. The letter of
0: intent is supposed to be a two way street, meaning that, that not only does the school now say that you have this spot, but the player now makes that commitment and you're finding more and more the super little elite players that can go to any school and say, listen, you know, 10 minutes before the first class, they say, I want to go here and they're going to be accepted. Oh yeah. If you are a medium player, you want to, you want to secure your spot right exactly, so you know honestly i I don't have any issues, you know if you've been recruited with honesty and integrity, I don't think you're gonna have a problem and if you're a school where a kid is back and forth like uh Bowen was yeah uh, um again louisville
1: Louisville son of a gun that was the the person that he almost went to Oregon, but we now know why he didn't,
0: yeah. You know, he was allegedly given a lot of money, yep. or his family was. But again, if you have some kid that's wishy-washy and is not sure where he wants to go, you don't want him anyway. Right,
1: exactly. I mean, you want someone that's 100% committed to what you're doing, moving forward, the coaching staff, the team yeah. around them. I mean, it's you can't, you can't win games if you're not 100% there. And I think that that was also part of what was wrong with the Ducks this year. Again, I feel like there were a few players that didn't, have that commitment to Altman and to the team, you know, and the uh, graduate transfers. Yes. And I, you know, I mean, they've been playing for so many different coaches and, you know, their last eligible year in, in college basketball. And, you know, maybe they felt they had proven themselves or they didn't need to adapt. You know, they, they knew their game and they knew how they were going to affect, you know, certain things.
0: Well, I, yeah, but. No, I would agree with that. And and I think you find that with basketball players anyway. I mean, you, you find that they, you know, because of the, the way that the culture is, and if you're a good basketball player or an elite level basketball player, you know, you're being told this from the time you're 12 years old. Right. And you're playing AAU ball. And, you know, the idea of of not staying with whatever school you go to you go to one of the academies.
1: Right. Or bouncing to academy from academy.
0: Right. But you're going somewhere, you know, where it's not your community. You know, it's not the school that you grew up, you know, watching the older kids play and you get your opportunity. Right. You know, Bagley. Marvin Bagley Jr. Yeah. Bagley Jr. Uh, grew up right down the street here. Yeah. And, you know, was going to Corona. And Corona, at, at the time that he was a freshman, had won four. State championships in a row.
1: Which you would think someone going in would wanna would be excited about that kind of tradition. history and yeah. tradition going on there. Yeah, now.
0: wanted want to maintain it and move it on. Uh, but he didn't. And then his story, you know, he wandered around and, and that's kind of some of the press that I've heard about him this year with Duke is he's kind of been pretty much for himself. Yeah. And not necessarily that great a teammate. Because he knows that, you know, whatever happens this year, I got to do this and it'll be fun. I'm from Duke, you know, so I can say I'm, you know, a Duke player, but right. There is no affiliation you know? to it.
1: I mean, other than he's going there, which yes. Okay. There's the affiliation, but it's, it's again, it yeah, it's not a commitment to the, the school. And
0: right. How many classes did he actually go to? Like, is he going to be wearing
1: Duke shorts while he's, you know, shooting around and, you know, whatever NBA team he is? Probably not.
0: Yeah. So you know you have that, and I think you know part of the the problem that Arizona had this year is that you you have these issues and how deep it goes and and what ends up happening in, in years to come for you for Arizona, you know Will Miller, which I've never been a big fan of his no. as a coach anyway. I think his teams have underachieved. I think he's had tremendous talent there. Yeah, Sean and they really has, and they haven't won since you know Olson was there, as far as a. Champion yeah, championship. But it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with that program. Yeah, you know, if he stays uh, again, like you mentioned, you know, there's three; their three best players are gone. Yep. And it's not like you know the the Kentucky concept where you're just restocking the shelves next year. Exactly.
1: Especially with all the nonsense that happened this year, it's it's hard. I, they've already had multiple recruits saying they don't want to be part of that
0: right yeah that's why i said they've you know, they've walked away yeah so and that's so, it's, it's a culture killer I yeah mean, Shaq's son yeah is, sharif is going to O'Neil. ucla now man that would have
1: been cool if he went to oregon
0: yeah well to be honest with you right now with what oregon has no, i mean there wouldn't have been a time for him we talked yeah, about that it yeah was, you got to have minutes yeah for some of these guys
1: it's very surprising to see that Kenny Wooten Jr. actually came out and said, "I'm not. I'm not thinking about the NBA." Right. Which is just very interesting because I don't think
0: anyone was just, you know, no. I, know, thinking I did. To me, when I saw that, I likened it to uh, to you coming out and uh, you know calling the the newspaper, you know, or posting on Facebook that you're not going to go to the NBA this year. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that they wanted you. I don't, and I don't necessarily <laughs> think that they wanted him. Now he had a great year. He did as a freshman he, a lot of of watching him play reminded me of the early years the first year of Jordan Bell totally uh, a lot of that
1: being honestly and in, you know not in really a knock but well it is <laughs> But yeah, it's okay. is is fa- his foul trouble you know right. it's a lack of a lack of productivity came down to lack of minutes because he's you know on the bench half the game
0: right and also you know limited offensive skills yeah there's just a lot of growth that needs to happen. You know, I I look at this team and and Victor Bailey, I'm excited about him. Oh, man. Did he have a game uh,
1: to, to get us that first win in the NIT? In the NIT,
0: yeah. 23 points. Yeah, six threes. And kind of took over, you know, at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think that he's going to be that kind of player for us. I think that he's going to be a really good outside shooter. Um, he's incredibly athletic. I think that he will be... A really important part of the team next year. Uh I think Peyton Pritchard to me, his best position is off the ball.
1: I agree with that. I think he's a great playmaker, but again, that could be something that, you know, is make he's better at making plays on broken sets. If you have a point guard that's gonna break you down, kick it out to Pritchard, and then he maybe does a dribble drive and you know dishes it off to one of the you know big guys or whatever you know it's right. just, him creating the breakdown
0: doesn't work as right, well as he, it he could yeah and with uh, Kigab, I think that he's going to be a very good player he's very long very athletic uh, I think that he'll work on his offensive game I think Wooten will work on his offensive game yeah the only question is Troy Brown right which is and uh, what he's going to do you know he hasn't
1: said anything yet. And announced, you know, that he's gonna go in the draft, which is he has had plenty of time to do so. I know that I made at the beginning of the season, you know, when we first recruited him, there were talks because he is a five star recruit and he right. has been looked at by NBA teams. Are you going to the NBA? And and you know, his answer was always that's not my first priority.
0: You know, the sense that I got from him, uh his family is very strong. It's not a situation where you know, he he has to have the money to get his mom out of the ghetto type of thing. Right, right. You know, I really think that he comes from a very solid foundation, and I don't think he's ready. No. Under any circumstances. You know, he can't finish at the rim.
1: Right. His shot is broken. I mean, it it does... He he makes some, but it's not the consistency that you need.
0: No, it's not. To go and be
1: a 3-and-D kind of guy, which could possibly be what he's going to be in the NBA.
0: The only thing that I could see that he... Right now... Uh, he is definitely a polished rebounder. He is a great rebounder elite for six, rebounder. seven, absolutely. And you're finding in the NBA more and more that some of the leading rebounders, Russell Westbrook, uh, is an elite rebounder.
1: Absolutely is, and I think I mean obviously the athleticism, but guards and and you know those players. I think it's possibly because also that the three point shot is so popular in the NBA. Right, you have long rebounds.
0: Right. But you know, I think that he's an excellent rebounder, and he's an excellent rebounder in traffic. But that's really the only part of his game that's at the level that it needs to be. Exactly, I
1: agree with that one hundred percent.
0: You know, I'm really hoping that that he does come back, and I think, yeah, and I, I I think that he'll be better off for it. I think you you learn more. The NBA is still way behind in development, but Which, so anyway, I, yeah, I really think that Oregon. I think we might be back in the tournament again next year.
1: I, we're definitely going to be back in the tournament next year. I think um, it's something that our, I mean, uh, I think one player alone is going to help us get there. And that's our top recruit coming in. Yeah, He's just going to be such a dominant force. BoBo, Bull is who I'm talking about. You know, I, I just watched a, uh, a video. So uh, Kevin Durant has a YouTube channel. And I've seen this a couple times now where some of the elite, basketball players are watching YouTube videos themselves of the up and coming players and kind of giving their diagnosis of what they think of them because everyone cares what Kevin Durant thinks about, you know, the up and cup players.
0: I think everyone is a stretch there. Yeah. So uh, I don't, (laughs) and I would have to be included in that for it to be everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, I,
0: I would, I would agree that it, it might not mean
1: much what he has to say, but what was exciting and, and um, what I liked hearing from him that I just kind of wanted to share with you and obviously our listeners is uh, he was watching the highlights of Bowl Bowl and obviously is very impressed with his length and athleticism and, and his ability you know, for the size that he is. But um, one of the final comments was that he's going to Oregon and that he, you know, Durant said, Oh, he's going to Oregon. So I know he's going to, you know, be taught the right way to play basketball.
0: Yeah,
1: And I really, really th- thought that was awesome to hear, to be honest. It
0: is. It, it is cool, you know, because everybody knows how we feel about Altman. Right. I think he's an excellent teacher. The thing that, and you alluded to it a, a little while ago about this Oregon team, is he needs players to buy into what he's trying to do. Yeah. And he will teach you. And that's what's missing to me in basketball now, is players that are willing to go to a coach and say, teach me and are willing to put in the time and are willing to put in the effort to get better fundamentally and not just the stuff you see in the highlights you know not just the the crazy dunks or you know shooting it from midcourt or the craziness that goes on in the game now right it's the fundamentals of you know the two-handed chess pass the of how to catch the ball you know on oh, on a yeah. bounce pass you know how to how to play defense how to position your feet you know how to do these things that fundamentally make you a solid basketball player.
1: Even when to take a shot, you know, and then not taking the difficult fadeaway jumper because Kobe took it.
0: Right, knowing why that shot missed. Right, and I think that's one thing in sports, and you can you can go across all sports. Why is what is happening happening? And that's the difficult thing because you know you can go out and whether you're a golfer and one. Swing is perfect and the ball goes exactly where you want it to. And then the next time it doesn't. And so you analyze what's going on. Well, the same thing is true in football. If, if you're blocking a, a player and he gets away from you, why is that? Well, is it your technique? You know, did you do something wrong? Basketball, you know, if you're shot. Now we can see it when we're watching. If somebody is squared up and it's in rhythm and that's the shot that they normally take, they shoot a great percentage. Yeah. But then if it's a shot that they weren't really ready for and they're a little bit skewed, you know, they're no longer squared up to the basket. They're no longer in rhythm. And it's kind of a thought that, okay, yeah, sure, I'll shoot it. Right. And it doesn't go in. It's an incredibly poor per- percentage. Understanding how to incorporate that into your game. Yeah. It's, and and yeah.
1: knowing when. Well, not even your game, but your, your team's game. Right. You yeah. Know, I mean, it, I think maybe that's what you meant. But,
0: well, no, I mean, but, but knowing that, okay, if I catch the ball and I'm not in my position and I'm not in my rhythm, I'm right. not going to take the shot. Exactly. Okay. And then the team concept of it is that, okay, in practice, now you're talking to the guy that passed you the ball. Okay. Here's where I want it. Here's how I want it. So that is that team concept. Right. Exactly. But it's the rhythm and being in the position to make the good shot. Well, that's the fundamentals of the game. And I, to me, that just so many of these kids that come up, and especially the ones with incredible talent, because they, they rely on their talent more than their fundamentals. Yeah. They rely on their just physical dominance of being faster or quicker or jumping higher, not their fundamental base of knowledge of the sport.
1: You know, and I, you can kind of relate that to, um, say, two players that came into the NBA this year, both one of which I've talked about already, uh donovan mitchell you know i'm just talking about him because he is the in my eyes the smart player that's why he's been so dominant this year is he's not making he's not forcing anything he's not making bad plays in fact he's doing the exact opposite he's making incredible plays and and his it seems like his basketball iq is off the charts and what he's trying to accomplish but the other player that that was drafted much higher than mitchell um, and was thought of of being amazing who, who will me probably one day but it's josh jackson that plays for the phoenix suns you know he was but i don't think that he has the the base game i don't think that he has that ability to take the right shot and you know I, i'm watching him for a few few months or a few games throughout the the year uh, that's what i saw and it's it's just it shows in some players and you know even though the talent level might be there, if you don't have that base and you don't have that background of the basketball i q then you don't really know what to do with the athletic ability and the talent that you have
0: yeah, I totally agree I totally agree and and to me, what I would like to see you know and again the tournament is is such a unique event I mean that first weekend you know where you've got you know once it's down to sixty four so you have the playing games right. So you have 64, you have 32 games, you know, on Thursday and Friday and, you know, then 16 games on the, on the, that weekend, you know, there's just so much going on. It's so much fun to, you know, track the different games or, or go down to the local pub and, you know, and sit and watch the different games going on oh, yeah. on all the different TVs. I know a couple of years ago we went to Buffalo Wild Wings Oh yeah, and sat out, I, I want to get to that next year. Yes. You know, and actually go somewhere where they, all the TVs have all the games and this one's starting and this one's ending. And it's, it's such a fun time.
1: It really is. And it's, you know, it is something I've, I've done in the past. And that's a, it's a lot of fun when you have people that are into basketball. Mm -hmm. I used to do it with my, my basketball team, my YMCA basketball team. After our season ended, we would all get together and, and watch, spend a whole day. Yeah. You know, that full, that first day, it seems like at halftime of every game, there's another game starting.
0: Yeah. It's lovely. No, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Great it's, time
1: of year. I love it so much.
0: Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. And, and kind of my point here as it ties to the things we've been talking about, I didn't see that there was a drop off in college basketball when kids were allowed to go from the high school to the NBA. I didn't feel like the best players weren't going to college. Yeah. So my feeling is they need to eliminate that. If a kid wants to go from high school, if he is a LeBron James, if he is... And, and un- unfortunately, there's going to be some players that are, are going to, you know, kind of get run over by the bus with this. Right. That that aren't good enough to go to the NBA, but are going to sign an agent and they're going to go to the NBA anyway. Right. And they're going to kind of get run over. And that's a choice that they should have. you know, 100%. Ult- yeah. Ultimately, that's, that's a choice they should have. But I want to eliminate this this idea that you're going to force kids to go to college and play for one year before they can go to the NBA. Right. Because it's not serving college basketball. Well, it's not serving the kids. Well, it certainly isn't, you know, treating the universities well, right? The programs are suffering and I want them to get down to the kids that want to go to school. Just like with baseball. There's a lot of kids that sign baseball contracts out of high school and that's fine. And college baseball is still a lot of fun to watch. Oh yeah. You're rooting for your team, you know, you're rooting for your university and it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's good quality baseball. So I just want that for basketball.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't, even if you take out some of the better players, like you said, it's just, it's competitive, you know, and that's what you want. You know, Uh, it doesn't have to be the very best possible talent you could have in that game. That's what you need. That's what you want for it to be a great game. You know, you just have to have, like we've talked about already, players that want to be there. Yeah. You know, and players that are committed to the university. And this is the way to, to solve that. You know, you, you get people thinking on a, you know, a three-year basis or even a two-year basis, which in my eyes seems like that's probably where we're going to be going um, and where everyone's going to settle on, uh, whether it be a compromise or, or just the way that they think that that's going to work. But, um, yeah, I think that that's going to help. Tremendously. Yeah. forward.
0: Well, and it, I think it will have a lot to do with building again, the foundation, you know, the players developing in college where they are, they get the time. I mean, the NBA and the G league now used to be the D league, right. but all of that, that's a business. Yeah. Okay. So it's all about business. So they don't necessarily take the time or have the time or the inclination to stay with a kid to really develop him and spend three or four years as a franchise to try to make somebody a decent player.
1: Right. Which, you know, I think that there's just so many players coming in and out of the league to, to really put that commitment into someone that you're going to spend that amount of time to do that. I think for a lot of teams, maybe just seems unrealistic or that it's a waste of time you know because next year they can just if this guy doesn't work out i can just draft a guy or trade for a guy that's actually going to work and i'll try for him but i mean the way that i see it if you were able to take a couple of maybe even mediocre guys and make them better make them you know a good player and take that time that's when you're going to be able to to draft you know someone or bring someone in that's maybe a great player. And then now you have these role pieces that are good because you've, you've built that. And I, I don't know, maybe just cause we're talking about it, but that's the way I would do it if I were.
0: <laughs> well, okay. You know, you take high school kids and the number of high schools and the number of high school basketball players. And then you look at the number that actually get a chance to go to college. So it's, it's, it's a reducing amount each time, you know, whether it's going to college, and then going to the NBA, so I don't think they really need to develop. Yeah, because, like you say, the the next you know, crop of guys coming in. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to be younger, and maybe they're going to be something. So the the patience to have a team or have a player that you're going to try to develop, I don't know that that's going to happen in in pro sports, right? And, uh, certainly in the NBA. But if you are a player that's that's a good player. And let's just say, uh, Troy Brown for the sake of argument, he may get drafted. He's being projected mid to late first round. Yeah. He has a guaranteed contract for three years. He's going to make money, but will he get the coaching and development that he needs? So if he stays, he'll be learning from Altman. He will be developing his abilities and he will be the focus. He'll be on the court and playing. As opposed to sitting at the end of the bench, and the only basketball you get to play is, is
1: garbage minutes. You, know, you or, look for yeah.
0: with the Blazers. You know what has he played? Ten minutes this season? Possibly. You know, as a second round it's pick, early
1: early in the season, if that.
0: Yeah, you know, so he gets to practice, but that's it, right? Which you know, I mean,
1: don't get me wrong, but if you're in practice against Nurkic as opposed to being in practice against uh, I think the seven footer on, uh, on Purdue who would have been his teammate Haas, um, who's going to be apparently in the NBA this next year. Yeah. But uh, you know, I mean the talent level you're playing against in practice is a lot better. So, I mean, there's that aspect to it as well. I mean, yes, you're not getting that game time, which to me is more valuable um, than playing in, a, in a practice. You yeah. know. But I know that CJ McCollum, got a lot better his, you know, uh, rookie season because he was playing against Dame Lillard and, and playing in practice against him every single year, you know, and he didn't get a lot of playing time his rookie right. year So,
0: well, I just, I really think that, that, you know, these kids staying in school, uh, developing their game a little bit more. I think that Troy Brown will be a better player if he stays at Oregon. And I think that they will have a good team, but you know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. And it, you know, we all have to deal with decisions made by others. Right. And that's kind of the situation. But the tournament, okay, so right now the Final Four is set. Yes. Okay, so you have Kansas. Yeah. And Villanova.
1: Right. That's the first game, which is going so, to be an incredible game. Right. You know, that's that's two number ones. And two teams that have proven themselves over and over again over the years. I think that they're both two proven programs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they they both won championships recently. Yeah, and then the other side of the bracket is Loyola Chicago and Michigan, which is exciting in its own way. You know, well, it's-, it's fun that one of those two teams will play in the championship. Yes. Now this week, all we're going to hear about is the fact that the championship game is the game on Saturday. You know, between Kansas and Villanova. Right. Everyone's going to think that whoever wins that's going to you yeah, know, then have- it's going to walk through whoever is left over. Right. And I'm hoping that Loyola beats Michigan and wins the championship. man. because the history of that school and the history of that program, you know they they have won a championship back in 63 right. And there's there's a lot of tradition and history with that. it's a Jesuit school, it's a small school, you know, Cinderella story right And, and Michigan's been there. Michigan has
1: won. Uh, did. They, they win uh, the title with uh, the Chris four? Weber. Yeah, the Fab Four. I don't four. think so, because I would think that's the only team I can think of that
0: they were dominant. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was the Fab Four.
1: But no, I mean they've they've been good in the past, but obviously not yeah. recently. And no, so it's it's going to be very very fun to see how that all plays out and see if the underdog can hopefully uh Loyola can pull a couple more.
0: Yeah, it's out. But that's. That's the fun thing about the tournament. Anything you know, can just, happen. It's just exciting and, and everybody strives for that. And so we'll see next weekend. Right. But this is our uh our second annual March Madness podcast. <sighs> so cool to hear. Yeah. So Adam, I know that you're a little under the weather. A little bit. But folks, did he do a great job or what? Man. Try to pull it out for you guys. He did. He nailed it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And if you guys want it, there's
1: gonna be more perspectives like the sample stumble, pick you back up like some ice feet or sore spot. We're still just tryna figure it out before what dead. this is the time I'm at So let's be tested, so let's do it So I can come and join their reign We'll walk around this land with open hands Looking for change, we we'll want to understand It's progression we have a hand
0: Humanity is killing wheat for this we will not stand I say let's progress in good contest Make calm that love our best Our onslaught of love will be at an all-time high Crashing like waves on some ponderosa pines Our love,
1: that makes no sense We who spend love at no expense We are a force of passion Creating a new faction Taking action, working hard Just for the satisfactions With the abilities to shine so bright That others want to fight
0: Because our light is in their eyes Ladies and gentlemen, we are the skies Don't remain mystified by their lies Can't trust us, but we will teach you how to be true Teach you how to speak the truth But we stand here and listen to you No longer hinder For love is the spark and we are its tender We are the good ones The good ones of today We're sending out a call for you to come and join our way